Good morning, everybody. It's so good to be together. I haven't been here to Malaga Cove yet. I mean, I've been to Malaga Cove, but not this service. So it's great to see some new faces. And um, we are continuing on in our series talking about the words and ways of Jesus as modeled by the minor characters in the Bible. And when I say minor characters in the Bible, they're not really that minor because they made it to the Bible. So they're still really significant, but we're not talking about Paul here. So um, that's where we are this morning. We're gonna look at a story that hopefully is familiar to many of you. It's the resurrection of Lazarus from John chapter 11. And I wanna shift our perspective a little bit. I want us to look at the man Lazarus. Who is he? Why does Jesus choose this important miracle? Why does he choose Lazarus for it? And who is Lazarus to Jesus? So that's where we're going. And I want to spend the first five minutes of our time together just in the word together. Is that okay? So if you have your Bible and you would like to follow along in John chapter 11, I'm going to read the whole chapter this morning. If you would like to just close your eyes and listen or just stare at me and listen or one of these beautiful photos around the room, please feel free to do that too. Just Whatever allows you the space that you need to just focus and settle in. There's a lot of context in this chapter, and I'm excited to, to kind of point out and pick out some of, of these really important key things, um, but I want us to see the big picture. So, Lord, thank you for our time together this morning. Thank you for your presence. Father, I know you have a word for each and every person here. It is not an accident that they are in this room this morning, this Sunday morning, the 22nd. Is it the 22nd? Yeah, okay. Lord, move me aside. Would you humble me that I may be a vessel to speak your words of truth, that they may cut deep to the heart and change us that we may be used in this life for your glory. Show us through this text how much you love us and what you're willing to do, how far you're willing to go because of that love. We commit this time to you. We open ourselves to you. And as we open your word, Father, this morning, in this holy space, speak to us. Amen. John chapter 11, verse 1. Now, a certain man was sick, Lazarus, of Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister, Martha. And it was the Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, saying, Lord, Behold, he whom you love is sick. Who's sick? Lazarus. Just making sure everyone's still with me. <laughs> Only verse three. But Jesus heard this and said, this sickness is not meant for death, but it is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. This is my favorite part. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister Mary and Lazarus. So 
when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. We'll come back to all of this. So Jesus then said to them plainly, I'm skipping ahead to verse 14 here for the sake of time. Jesus is talking to his disciples. Lazarus died, and I am glad for your sake that I was not there so that you may believe, but let's go to him. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. And how does Martha respond, sister of Lazarus? Verse 20, Martha, when she heard that Jesus was coming, went to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. And Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. Even I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give to you. And Jesus said to her, Martha, your brother will rise from the dead. And Martha said to him, I know he'll rise from the rise in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And the one who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And Martha said to him, yes, Lord, I have come to believe that you are the Christ, the son of God, he who comes into the world. Verse 32, Mary's response. So when Mary came to the place where Jesus was, she saw him and she fell at his feet. Mary does that often, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. The same thing Martha said. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was moved in spirit and troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews were saying, see how he loved him? See how he loved him? But some of them said, could this man, Jesus, who opened the eyes of a man who was blind, not also have kept Lazarus from dying? It's a good question. Verse 38. So Jesus, again, being deeply moved within, came to the tomb. Now it was a cave with a stone lying against it. And Jesus said, remove the stone. Martha, sister of the deceased, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be a stench, for he's been dead four days. And Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they removed the stone, and Jesus raised his eyes and spoke to the Father. And he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. But I knew you always hear me. Nevertheless, because of the people standing around, I said it, so that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Out came the man who had died, bound hand and foot with wrappings, his face wrapped around with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Therefore, many of the Jews who came to Mary and saw what he had done believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them the things which Jesus had done. Therefore, the chief priests and Pharisees convened a council meeting and were saying, what are we doing in regard to the fact that this man is performing many signs? If we let him go on like this, all the people will believe in him and the Romans will come and take over both our place and our nation. So from that day on, verse 53, they planned together to kill him. How do we go from Jesus getting word that his 
friend, Lazarus, is sick to now there is a plot to kill Jesus. There is a lot happening in this text, right? And, and what is Lazarus doing in the middle of all of it? That's what I want to look at today. Who is Lazarus to Jesus? Look at the text with me. The first three verses have a, just a few really key things. He's from Bethany. He is loved by Jesus. It says he's loved by Jesus three or four times in the text. And he's the sister, the brother of Mary and Martha. And this is important information. The fact that he's the sister I'll say it like five times today. The fact that he's the brother of Mary and Martha, because culturally, family in this context is significant. And so everything that we know about Mary and Martha and Mary and Martha's relationship with Jesus helps us to understand the relationship that Jesus had with Lazarus. Did I say that right? Yes. Okay. So it couldn't have been better. It couldn't have worked out better that Todd taught on Martha last week because Martha is a key in helping us understand. And the first thing that I think of when I hear the name Martha in the Bible is, does any, what's the first thing that you think of? But like, is there something that comes to mind? Martha, Martha. Like you go to the busybody, like the, not the good part of Martha, right? I think the, every time I hear Martha, I, I think, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things, but Mary has chosen the good part. That's where my mind goes. And yet, when we look at this text, look at verse 27 with me. I think it's verse 27. Yes. This is, what, this is just amazing. Martha says to Jesus, yes, Lord, I have come to believe that you are the Christ, the son of God. Some of Jesus' own disciples can't even profess that so clearly and so confidently. And so Martha goes from Martha, Martha, Martha to I have come to believe that you are the Christ, the son of God. And what happens in between there is relationship, is intimacy that's being grown, that's developing. And so that means Jesus has been around. Jesus has been at their table. Jesus has been in their home. And if Jesus has been in the home with Martha and Mary, then he's been in the home with Lazarus. And Mary, similarly, we see in, in verse two here, John, the author, identifies Mary as the one who anointed the Lord with oil and wiped his hair, wiped his feet with her hair. This is cool because this hasn't even happened yet. Mary hasn't, Mary doesn't anoint Jesus's feet and wipe his feet with her hair until John chapter 12. So John is getting ahead of himself and he's making sure that we know that this is the same Mary because he's developing the context and the picture for us that Jesus loved this family. That this was a woman who sat at Jesus's feet and gave all of her time and broke the vial of oil and poured it all over Jesus's feet and wiped his hair because she knew that Jesus was everything. He was her time and her treasure. And so if Mary and Martha understand on earth while Jesus is present with, with them, who Jesus is, then you better believe Lazarus did. And it says here in the text, if this isn't enough that Jesus had this intimate relationship where Martha and Mary both independently come to Jesus and say, Lord, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. They know exactly who he is and what he's capable of. And Jesus loved them. It says it right in the text. He loved Martha, verse five. He loved her sister Mary and he loved Lazarus. And so if Jesus, so I'm building up this whole case. I know I'm going on and on here. It's going somewhere. 
If Jesus loved Lazarus, then why did he let Lazarus die? Because in our economy of love, that does not make sense, right? In our economy of love, if love is health and protection and security and wealth and comfort, then it then Lazarus should have been in the penthouse and God, Jesus should have gotten up off of his behind and marched straight over to wherever Lazarus was and healed him because we know that he could have, right? He raised him from the dead. He had the power. So why didn't he? Why did Jesus let Lazarus die? He didn't, hear me, he didn't cause Lazarus's death. It's sickness that causes Lazarus's death. That's right here in the text but he could have done something and he didn't. He had something better in mind and this is where we're gonna go today. This is what it is. He trusted that their belief, the people who would experience and watch this resurrection miracle was more important because this would trigger a series of events that would lead to the moment, the most important moment in the history of our faith. And that's the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ himself. And that would bring about the glory of God. And Jesus came that the glory of God might be revealed and manifested on earth. That is the whole point of why he came. It makes me go straight to the priestly prayer in John 17. Do you know it? It's this intimate window into Jesus's heart and relationship with the father. And he's praying and pouring it all out to the Lord. And it's like we get to see a glimpse in their prayer life. And I'm not going to talk about John 17, but what I'm saying is Jesus says over and over and over again, Lord, I pray that you may be glorified by this, that they may see me and know that you sent me, that they may believe. And so Jesus knows that it's his love. Do you see what's happening here is this resurrection moment for Lazarus stirs up something. It causes whispers and belief. The belief here, it sounds a little harsh, right? When Jesus says to his disciples at first, I'm glad for your sake that I wasn't there so that you may believe. They haven't even seen the miracle yet. They're probably thinking like, what are you up to, Lord? They have no idea what he's talking about. But this whispering and this belief after the resurrection of Lazarus starts to unfold and it's a movement and it's messing with people because when the power of God is on display through a miracle like the resurrection, I have not seen a resurrection, have you? People are talking and it is going to cause drama and, and it is just earth shattering for this day and age. It says here they're plotting to kill him because of it, because they know that if people saw this, they would believe. So it is causing, it is causing major problems. Why did Jesus let Lazarus die? It was Jesus's love that let Lazarus die. It's hard to think about that, but it was Jesus's love that let Lazarus die because he knew it would trigger a series of events that would lead to the moment where he conquered death for good, for all. Death is gone. There is no fear. And God says, this is temporary. This suffering is just for a moment because I, what I am going to give you, what I am going to do for you, my death on the cross, I am going to lay down my life that you may live. Do you believe it, Martha? Do you believe? What does it say here? 
that I am the resurrection, verse 25, and the life and the one who believes in me will live even if he dies. And that everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe it, Martha? Do you believe it, church? Right now, we are in the middle of a just massive crisis. I don't know if you've been following along with what's happening in Afghanistan. It is just atrocious. It's pure evil. It is so sick and so sad that there are families that have to mark their, the outside of their door if there's women inside. And if they don't mark their door and there are women inside, they go in and they kill the whole family. And what do they do with the women? They're taking these young girls as a prize, as a jihad prize. They're taking, killing men, taking the wives, selling them, doing who knows what to them. It's just, I mean, I heard stories of fathers handing their wives and daughters guns and saying, do with this what you will, but I can't protect you. And it's, it's so sad and it's so evil and it's just heartbreaking. And yet, I listened to an interview this week where um, somebody, a believer in Afghanistan is sharing and he reaches out to a woman who leads his Zoom Bible study. Did you know that in Afghanistan, it's the second largest Christian, second largest Christian growing church in the world is in Afghanistan right now. And he reached out to the woman who leads this Bible study and he said, are we gonna meet this week? And she's in the United States and she said, what do you mean, are we gonna meet this week? Like, she didn't, this man didn't flee. He's staying put where he lives in Afghanistan because his wife is very pregnant and they can't run for the hills. And she says, what do you mean, are we gonna meet? And he said, well, I still have signal. Why can't we meet? And she broke down and wept on the phone with him. And he had to comfort her and these are the words I stopped and I wrote this down. These are the words that he said to her. I, I wrote them down so that I get them exactly right, but I don't even need to, I've thought about them so much I don't even need to look. He said this, don't worry for me and don't worry for my wife because we belong to Christ. If something happens today, we will see you tomorrow. This is not goodbye, this is just see you later. And then this, I would rather live in hell on earth and go to heaven than heaven on earth and go to hell. And I share this story because I want you to know that the truth of resurrection life that is offered to us is real. And there are people who are trusting with their entire lives that this is true. This isn't just John chapter 11 that we come on and go on with our normal lives and we read it once and then we just move on. This is life changing. And if it isn't life changing for you, if you don't believe that it should affect everything, I mean, get out of the tomb. Are you, are you still sitting in there because the Lord did you hear what I said? Did you hear what the word said that death has been conquered? It's done. We don't have to focus on death anymore. We can focus on life. 
And for us to be able to do that, that is possible. There are believers in this world who are banking on that, who are showing us the way with their faith, with a statement like that. And he means it. I don't think he just said that for show. He's in the middle. He could lose his life. He could lose his wife. He could lose his unborn child at any moment. But he knows this to be true. And church, I feel like the Lord wants to encourage us today to wake up, to wake up, to live the resurrection life. Does, does the way you think in your mind and the way you live with your priorities and your time and your money, does it reveal to you that you really believe that after this is resurrection life with Jesus? Does it, does it really reflect that there is no death and there is no fear, it has been conquered. And if that's true, then we can go on and we can press on in confidence in the Lord. And I get so discouraged for these silly reasons every single time I prepare a sermon. I look in the mirror and I think, what am I doing? This is crazy that I am teaching on a passage where a guy walks out of a grave dressed like a mummy wrapped up in all over his face and I'm telling you and I'm supposed to stand up here and I'm banking my life and telling other people to bank their life on the fact that a guy walked out of a tomb after four days and he was all stinky and everybody like this is weird and this is supernatural and odd I get that but I have no doubt that it's real because the Lord continues to encourage us to bring us the body of Christ to walk together and this is the problem. We can say we, we know it's real and we believe it, but we are, this is, what, this is the problem. Mary and Martha, from the time that Lazarus died to the time that he was raised from the dead, what's in between there? Four days. That's a long time of suffering and believing that it's over. And we are sitting in the four days because everything has not been made new yet, right? We haven't seen the glory of God fully yet. So we're believing it, but we're still waiting for it. How do we live in that in-between, the tension of what is to come? How do we, like that, this man, this Afghan man, have the faith to believe that this is real and this is coming and this is for us? And I get discouraged and I, I think, what am I doing with my life? And then the Lord does just the sweetest things he encourages us he does not leave us alone in our faith the things that he provides the hope that he provides it is so real and so I want to ask and I want to acknowledge I'm not diminishing the suffering because the suffering is real and Jesus of all people knew the suffering he experienced it with his own body when he sacrificed his body on the cross for you that you might have this gift of eternal life that this would be real because like Lazarus he loves you Jesus let Lazarus die because he loved him so much, because he loved the father so much, because he loves you so much. That's why he let Lazarus die, because there was something better coming. And maybe you have heard that, and maybe you know that to be true, but you're not living like it's true. And this pastor from the Middle East says, we are lulled to sleep in the West by a satanic lullaby of comfort, of ease. 
whatever it is. And I feel like the Lord is saying, no more. Wake up, church. Let's go. It's time to rally. And we are a part of a body of Christ where there is stuff happening here at the river. I have experienced miracles and I want to experience more. As I was writing this sermon, I was like, man, what do I want to share about the hope, about the encouragement that the Lord gives me to press on, Brooke, to keep going? And I, my first thought, if I'm honest, was like, man, there's not enough. I need to have bigger faith. I want to ask the Lord for more so that the stories I can share are, there's a pastor that I listened to a sermon last year and he said, on my bucket list is I want to see a man raised from the dead and not just died and resuscitated, but three days dead. I don't think he's just hunting for a miracle just so he can say, I saw that. I think he wants to see the power of God revealed on this side of heaven because if eternity with God starts now because death has been conquered, which it does, then God's power is on display and available for us to tap into. He desires for his glory to be revealed and to use us to bring about his glory, to reveal it here. The Lord says, greater things than me you will do because you have the power of the spirit. So I wanna see it happen in the context of, of community. I want us to partner with each other by faith to walk with each other in our doubting and insecurity. I am the one standing up here preaching and I have doubt every single time I preach. I want you to hear me say it. Is this stuff crazy? I ask myself that every time I preach because the enemy tries to sneak in and get in the way. Even just between the beach service and this, I called my mom and I was emotional and I said like, what just, I don't even think anybody hears or cares and that was horrible and I don't know what I'm saying. And that is the enemy trying to come in between in the middle of the four days while we're waiting. But the Lord gives us the tools to press in and press on. He gives us the hope. He shows us the, just this year, I, you have probably heard my mom share the story about my grandpa drowning in the pool and then being brought back to life after who knows how long he was drowned in the pool, full memory function, full, full brain. I mean, it's, it's absolutely miraculous. There's big stuff and there's little stuff like praying for childcare and figuring out how I'm gonna make ends meet. <laughs> like there, and the Lord is so near into, in all of it. He cares so, so intimately for you. He cares so intimately for me. And I am with you in pressing on and trying to figure out how we walk in obedience to the Lord, surrendered to him fully with our lives so that he may be glorified. I went to USC, I have a master's, I probably could do, be doing a lot of other things if I really wanted to or cared to. And the Lord keeps leading me like out of every job that makes money, any money, to like into just, teaching and doing ministry. And I'm thinking like, what, this is crazy, but I trust you, Lord. Like I'm gonna spend two weeks preparing for a retreat that is gonna pay me $300. And like, I can't even pay for my childcare while I'm at the retreat. That's crazy, but I trust you because that's not what I wanna live for, it's eternity. It is just, you will provide the details. And he has, he's provided for our family in just, just his abundance and his kindness. He's provided for me in being able to have children. I lost two 
along the way in our journey and we have two beautiful kids and I know that those are gifts from God. And I believe him to do more and I wanna see him do more and what that takes and requires of me is everything, laying it all down, matching what I believe and see in the scripture and know to be true with eternity in my life. (laughs) Matching my life with what I know to be true about eternity. So I wanna invite us to pray. I'm gonna close this morning. And I just wanna ask, because I know we know this truth, but I know the Lord also wants to wake us up to more, to not just knowing it intellectually, but to making a commitment to align our lives to match the truth that we hear about the resurrection being real and resurrection life being offered to us. Are you still sitting in the tomb? Do you need to take a step out and begin to live? If that's you, can I pray for you right now? Let's all bow our heads. Lord, thank you for your truth and your grace. Most most of all, thank you for your love. Because it was your love that let Lazarus die. Because you loved him so much, you trusted in the Lord's will and his plan for something better, for death to be conquered once and for all. I can't wrap my mind around that all the time. It's so easy to just get caught up in the world and the little things and my to-do list and myself. Will you forgive me? Forgive us. You gave everything for me. And sometimes I just sit in the tomb Lord, show us how to stand up and walk out. Wake us up, Father, that we may be used by you. It's time, enough sitting around. We don't know how long we have. What are you putting on our hearts for us to let go of or to run towards, not just walk? Give us confidence, Lord, for those who have heard the truth before but have never decided to get out of the tomb and stand up and walk with eternal resurrection life. I pray over them right now. I pray that they would trust you, Lord. If that's you this morning, pray this with me. Lord, I believe you. I want what you offer because I've tried it the other way and it is not satisfying and it leads to emptiness. And 
I want to be a part of the movement, of the thing that you are up to, of your kingdom of heaven coming to earth. I want to begin my life with you now that extends into eternity. I don't want to wait till the end of my life. I want to start seeing the miracles and using the power that you've invited us into. I give my life to you, Lord. I trust you with it. And I know that it's not going to be easy. I know that it's not going to make my life easy. You promise in, your, in this world you will have tribulations, trouble, trials, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So I take one step forward today with you, Lord. Show me the way. And for those of you who are just ready to wake up, you've just been hitting the snooze button again and again, and it's time. The Lord is putting something in your spirit. You know it. I know you know it. It's time to take a step. It's time to go for it. It's time to walk by faith and stand up and lead because the Lord wants to use you and he is waiting for you to say, yes, I'm ready. And you will not regret it. In fact, you will crave it. When you see the Lord work and you're a part of it, you're gonna want more. So church, I pray for you. I pray for us. Would we link arms without fear of death and walk into the newness of life, into the resurrection life confidently? Would we bring each other along with us because there is no way we can do it alone? Show us the way, Lord. Protect your flock here as they take this itty-bitty baby step as we move forward with just a little bit more faith. You are good. Thank you for your word this morning. We ask all of this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Through it all
day because of you. Far be it from me. Far be it from me. together as one church body.
conditions when you pull me close. No, I won't resist it. No, I won't resist it. Oh, no, I won't resist it. No. Extravagant. It doesn't make sense. We'll never comprehend. Yeah, the way you love us, it's unthinkable. Only heaven knows just how far you would go. Just say you love us. Just say. Extravagant, it doesn't make sense. We'll never comprehend the way you love us. It's unthinkable. Only heaven knows just how far you would go to say you love us. Thank you, Lord. separate your love from us. So in return and response, Lord, we give you back our love. There is no one more worthy, no one who loves us like you do, Lord. And we step into the promise of the resurrection. Teach us how to live in that truth every day, not just on Sunday, Lord, but all throughout the week. To a broken and hurting world, Lord, that we would be that light into the resurrection love and truth. So we thank you for being together, Lord. We thank you that you show up every time. Thank you for this community. Thank you for those that we get to see and worship with. And thank you for Brooke and her delivering a beautiful word today. So we pray all these things in your precious name. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for worshiping. It's good to be back in Malika Cove. Pray for where we are here next week. And then stay tuned. Pray for 
the 1030 service. <laughs> Have a great day, guys.